Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. And welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have a very special guest for you. His name is Nico Skivaski. He is the co-founder and president at Redox. At Redox, they're accelerating the development and distribution of digital health solutions with a full-service healthcare integration platform to securely and efficiently exchange data. Healthcare organizations and tech vendors connect once and authorize the data they send and receive across the most extensive interoperable network in healthcare. I had the opportunity to meet him at the Doc SF meeting this year, and I was just uh, really inspired and blown away by his deep expertise and knowledge in the field. He was uh, voted in the Forbes 30 Under 30 in healthcare in 2017. He's an official member of the Forbes Technology Council has had experience with partnerships across many different healthcare providers in the United States, also partnerships with Cisco. He's been able to bring in his experience that he got while he was at Epic in combination with his master's and undergrad in economics to make sense out of a lot of nonsense in healthcare, especially in technology. So it's a pleasure to, to invite you to the podcast. Nico, would love to hear Anything that maybe I left out in the intro that you want to share with the listeners? Welcome. Yeah, th- thanks a lot for having me. Uh, I think you, you, you nailed the, the intro pretty well. We started Redox about five years ago now, so that's been the primary focus. Uh, but yeah, before that was at Epic and started a, another couple health tech companies in that time period. But yeah, you pretty much nailed it. Awesome. Awesome. You know, one of the things that I, that I really enjoyed about your presentation was how simple you made the complex. And I feel like that's a, a differentiator in why you and your, your company have been successful. I want to just kind of go behind the curtain a little bit and ask you, why did you get into the medical sector? Yeah, it's a, it, it was kind of by accident. So I was in graduate school studying economics and uh, was actually looking for a, a dissertation for a doctoral thesis and had studied healthcare economics a little bit and was really looking around the industry for really like a perverse incentive to study and hair healthcare is really a hairball of these perverse incentives. So there had to be something in here. For instance, why is it so inefficient and how can that inefficiency be overcome? Was that policy or technology adoption? And that technology question really got me thinking about how has technology been adopted in the industry and why is healthcare the only industry that we still have clipboards and pagers and fax machines and those sorts of things. So that led me down the, the technology hunt and it led me to Epic. 
So originally started talking to Epic about, you know, what data they have. And of course, they wouldn't want to talk to some, some student about that. So I applied for a job and thought maybe I could get access through that process. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, my plan was to go there for, for a year, gather data, go back to school and, and keep going. But got to Epic and realized that they don't actually have any data. The data is distributed at the health systems across the country. And the dream of digitizing all of these medical records really wasn't you know, we weren't able to accomplish the benefits associated with that dream because of the distributed nature of, you know, how electronic health records were, you know, went to market. So, you know, became increasingly obsessed with that problem. And that's a lot of where the inspiration I have behind Redox comes from in that we're, we're trying to, to stitch that data back together, trying to make it uniform and available to software developers to, to use. So yeah, that's how, I, that's how I stumbled into the space, but it was really the inefficiencies in the market that, that kind of drove me into the healthcare industry. Super cool story, Nico. And so you, you you went, you got a job, and you haven't looked back. You haven't you haven't <laughs> left. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and the problems are are definitely neck deep. And as true entrepreneurs, you know, we look at those problems as opportunities. And just curious, what's on your mind? You know, what what do you think a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today? And how are you and Redox approaching it? Yeah, so you know this topic of interoperability—it's at the—it's really at the heart of many of the underlying challenges in healthcare. For instance, you know where there's a lot of talk about the shift towards value-based care, and of course how we we change our reimbursement system in the, in the industry, and that requires healthcare organizations to better evaluate risk because they're taking on more risk. They have to look at the population of patients that they care for differently, and use complete information to really figure out how to make value-based decisions. So to do that, they need access to data. They need to be able to use technology, different technologies to drive efficiencies in their organization. And the lack of interoperability in healthcare is really preventing that shift from happening by allowing us to use technologies to become more efficient in the way we deliver care. Another big trend that is kind of upheld due to the lack of interoperability is the consumerization of healthcare. We need people to behave more like consumers with self-interest, and that requires more complete information as well. In the past, the paternalistic nature of medicine has really shielded this information from patients, creating, you know, kind of a dependency on the doctor, not only to diagnose, but order treatments that will make patients healthy. That blind dependency also creates a behavior of disengagement, which is so rooted in much of the chronic conditions straining our industry. So that's kind of an underlying problem. Uh, there's also this notion that patients really can't shop if they can't take their data with them. And shopping is a really essential to the efficient allocation of any goods and services, much less in healthcare. So mm -hmm. if you're stuck with the healthcare organization that you're working with, you will keep going back there and going to the, the providers that are referred within that system, uh, rather than kind of using your sovereignty as a consumer to move between different organizations and find the best deal, find the best value itself. So without the mobility and liquidity of that data, it's kind of preventing that problem from being resolved. Yeah, no, I think you're bringing up some really great points, uh, Nico. And, and so don't want to interrupt you. You had one more. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's just the, the last one, you know, it's one that hits home from the EHR space, but mm -hmm. physician burnout is is becoming a huge issue in the in the industry. And, you know, the, the strain that our health systems have, it kind of passes down to the providers to pressure them to see more patients, to do more with less all while increasing the documentation and data entry burden that electronic health records have brought. So it's, it's very rare to find a, a doctor who actually likes to use an EHR, and it's heavily cited as one of the, the main reasons for the, the increase in physician burnout that we're seeing across the industry today. If we had an interoperable 
ecosystem. That would mean providers can actually choose whatever tools they want for the job, much like me and you choose whatever tools we want to use to do our jobs, whatever email mm-hmm. client we want, whatever chat system we want, calendar system, you know, all these things. You can have a best of breed world when you have APIs and we have free movement of data behind the scenes that enables those technologies. And so instead of what we have are, are providers who are kind of forced to use a technology that was mandated by the federal government that wasn't designed for their specific workflows specifically. So yeah, some of the challenges that I think are exacerbated by this interoperability problem. Yeah, no, good call outs, Nico. And so you've clearly stated the, the challenges, the problems. We'd love to hear from you the dream, the Redox dream, and maybe some examples in there of how you're making a difference today. Yeah, for sure. So our mission at Redox is to make healthcare data useful. And that we really look to accomplish that by creating this reusable infrastructure that technology can plug into and uh, utilize the underlying healthcare data to allow that technology to be proliferated to get in the hands of the users and the patients that will actually be able to benefit from it. So the way that we do that is quite simple. We just standardize the data within the various health systems that we work with and you know, make it available over an application programming interface, an API, so developers can create applications on top of it. So the layman's example I use is that we're, we're kind of like the plumbing infrastructure and the apps on top of it are like the sink and the shower <laughs> and, and the things that actually yeah. that are useful to people. But we're the, we're the people who are supplying the water and the water treatment facility, <laughs> you know, cleaning up all that data. <laughs> yeah, and you know, some some examples. Obviously, with this kind of core level infrastructure, we work across different different stakeholders in the industry. So, one example is on the vendor side. So, we work with a lot of different technology vendors, whether that's software developers or hardware, you know, devices and things like that. So, one example is a company called Dexcom. They are probably the number one provider of glucose monitors and mm-hmm. um, you know continuous glucose monitoring systems. They're a public company. Yeah, um, very familiar with them. Yeah. So what we do with them is when a patient needs to get a glucometer ordered, we receive that order from the electronic health record from the provider, send that to Dexcom, who can drop ship the device to the patient, and the patient can onboard and start using it. And then when it's appropriate, data is sent back into that electronic health record so that the provider and care team can be notified if the patient's you know outside of a relevant range or they're not using it appropriately or things like that. So they can intervene on that patient's care and make sure there's no complications down the road. So you know that's one example we we started working with them at uh, Children's of Los Angeles and have kind of expanded to many other health systems uh, beyond that. And the thing I love about that is, is the data that we're seeing come across that is, in this case, these are, these are pediatric patients that have diabetes who are learning how to control their, their chronic condition. And to be a part of that, that process is really kind of fulfilling. So that's on the vendor side. Uh, we also support like actual electronic health record vendors. So an example there is uh, Point Click Care. They are kind of the leading vendor in the post-acute space. So skilled nursing facilities and nursing homes and groups like that. And so what we do with them is obviously they receive patients from like, you know, a skilled nursing facility is, is often a place where patients get discharged from the hospital. And so the data that's generated at the hospital about that patient's acute visit needs to travel with them and go to that skilled nursing facility or long-term care facility or nursing home, you know, back, back to wherever the patient is kind of having that longer-term care outside of the acute setting. So we're able to facilitate that transfer of data between those two care settings. And then, of course, if the patient gets, has to be readmitted to the hospital, bringing the, the data that was generated at the skilled nursing facility back into that uh, care setting. So uh, we're able to, to facilitate those exchanges. And clinical care's footprint is about 60% of the skilled nursing facilities across the country. So it creates a lot of, a lot of density in regions uh, 
all, every geographic region across the country has these types of facilities with point-click care software running. Very cool. No, I think it's uh, impactful the reach you guys have been able to establish uh, in, in such a short period of time and in healthcare years, that is. <laughs> and <laughs> so I uh, really appreciate you sharing those examples, Nico. Talk to us about a time when you had a setback. What did you experience? Take us to that moment. And what did you learn that's made you better? Yeah, it's always a, a, a tough question to reflect on. And yeah, you, you mentioned healthcare years. You know, this, this wasn't very long ago. This was in 2015. It was mm-hmm. the first time Redox went live. Yeah. So about the, the whole year of 2014, we were just kind of an idea, this infrastructure idea, and we didn't actually understand how to bring this to market. But finally, we were able to get live in 2015 and get the first applications running at the first health systems and have data flowing through our system. We started to understand what it meant to be responsible for protecting this PHI and ensuring that the data moved from A to B in as near real time as possible. And the, the failure that it into uh, came with our first downtime. So any any young software company has has downtimes in, in their early days, and uh, that's when it got real at Redox. Um, the, the downtime, from from our perspective as infrastructure, it really freezes that data in a place, and things screech to a halt for the users, depending on that technology. So these are really growing pains that come with every software company, and we began investing heavily at the time in our infrastructure and monitoring and alerting and hiring the best engineers we could find to help us build this rock-solid, dependable platform that we knew needed to be mission-critical for the applications that we support. So, you know, fast forward to today, in a lot of ways, it's good that we had a downtime really early in our existence when we had two or three applications on the system because it, it helped us build the infrastructure that we have today that now supports, we support about 5 million patient messages going through the system a day across 450 different health systems across the country. And I think those early growing pains, if we didn't get serious about infrastructure at the beginning, we wouldn't have been able to build that trust to help us get to where we are today. That's a great story, Nico. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in that you can't control the winds, but you could control your sales. And by all means, you guys took those sales and use that win to take you guys even further. Tell us about the other side of, of that coin. What's one of your proudest uh, experiences that you've experienced to date? Gosh, so the first, my, literally the first thing I thought of when you asked that was um, the proudest moment is, is likely yet to come. There's so much more that we need to accomplish. I talked about how interoperability is this huge plague, um, this problem in our, in our industry that is holding so much back. Mm-hmm. And although we've been, you know, we've been doing this for a few years now, and we, we have a, a pretty decent footprint, we still have not solved the problem. And, you know, and not saying that Redox will solve the problem, but we will be a piece in that infrastructure, will be a piece of the, the technology stack that enables the problem to be solved. And so I think that myself and our team are, are, are super motivated by, by that quest to solve the problem. And there's been a lot of proud moments along the way, you know, getting the software up and running and starting to scale it. And, starting to see the network effects in the model grow. Uh, those are all things that are kind of evidence that what we're doing is working and moving towards that. But it, it still doesn't feel like we can put a, a notch in the belt and say like, hey, interoperability is solved. We're moving to- closer in that direction. And we're doing it with a market-driven approach, which I think is a, a really honorable way to go about it. So, so you know, it's kind of a cop-out to the, the answer, but I, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's coming still. We're, we're still working towards it. And, you know, as, as an aside, the, the other really proud thing that, as an entrepreneur, we get to kind of see is that Redox has about 80 employees now. And for the first year, the six of us who were kind of around in the, in the first year, we were barely scraping by to survive. 
and now it's it's just phenomenal to look around and see the the people that get to create careers in, in healthcare doing something impactful and we can support you know them and their families uh, as you know employees as team members to, to help do that so that's also really proud too to just be an employer that can actually provide value you know not only in an industry but to the people who who take part in in, in that mission definitely a lot to be proud of and a lot more to work towards so <laughs> redox listening to this get to work. <laughs> no, you know, I think that that positive discontent is a big thing, being proud of and happy about the progress, but still keeping your eye on, on the overall vision and mission. Some of the best leaders in the world and in healthcare do that. So kudos to you, Nico, for keeping the motivation up and, and uh, painting that vision for the team. Tell us about an exciting project uh, or focus that you're working on today. Yeah, yeah. So, the big things for 2019, you know, we, we just came out of strategic planning as you do in January. And um, well, I guess some companies probably do it in December, but, but we're kind of the procrastinators. So for 2019, the big things that, that we're pumped about, as I mentioned, we're starting to see these network effects in the business. And what I mean by that is we work with a vendor like, you know, like a Dexcom, who I mentioned, or a point click care and get them rolling and, and they start implementing at health system to health system across the country. And so you can really start to see this exponential growth through all of these vendors that we work with. Uh, similarly, every time that we, we bring a health system on, we start partnering with the health system to figure out what other vendors that they're trying to adopt. And they become a great kind of referral source for us and, and bring more technology in. And that it's another, it's another flywheel that, that brings growth. So 2019 for us is really about continuing to grow that network as fast as possible, because as the network grows, the actual cost of providing this infrastructure drops at the margin, right? So the yep. so each endpoint, you know, just becomes a on average that much cheaper. And our goal isn't to make money hand over fist doing integration. I, I think integration should be commoditized. It should be as close to cost as possible. So by growing the network and seeing these network effects, we can actually envision a world where we can start dropping prices and make it so it is so easy and simple to utilize data from these healthcare organizations that it would never make sense for you to try to build that infrastructure on your own as you know a lot of groups do today so that's that's the primary focus mm -hmm. but the other kind of exciting thing that comes from that is what we have amassed is a huge standardized data set of healthcare data and going back to that my initial quest in graduate school about trying to figure out who has the data and what we can use that data for to to drive efficiencies in the industry. Now that's Redox. You know, we, we have created this great data asset that we can start to think about how do we actually draw insight from that, uh, mm -hmm. give that insight back to the health systems or directly to patients to help them figure out how to improve on their, on their well-being. And, you know, from our perspective, we don't see ourselves making applications to do that, but releasing more infrastructure products that would enable the software developers out there, enable the health systems, the clinical informaticists to be using this data, you know, the researchers to drive that insight. And that's super exciting from my perspective because two years ago, we, we didn't, have, you know, we were just moving data from A to B. Now we have this data asset that, that can really be used for something special in the industry. So we have a lot of projects in flight around that, a lot of kind of R&D research that's going into figuring out what's going to work there. So, you know, hopefully 2019, 2020, we're able to kind of release some really exciting things that wouldn't be possible without that vast data network that we've been able to acquire over the past few years. Nice work, Nico. And, uh, you know, just the thought that comes to my head is, hey, you went to look for it. You didn't find it. So you built it. 
you know, I never, I never put it together like that, but uh, that's a concise way of describing the story. <laughs> <laughs> and so big kudos to you. It's not easy, <laughs> not easy, but somebody has to get it done. Glad you guys are working on it. Getting close to the end here, Nico, let's build a small syllabus for the listeners. It's going to be the 101 of <laughs> Nico Skibaski on the basics on interoperability and, uh, and getting good outcomes in healthcare. So I've got five questions for you, lightning round style, Great. followed by a book for the listeners. You ready? Yep, ready. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Mm, so for us, really, healthcare happens at that intersection of patients and providers. And we have to remember that that relationship needs to be an empathetic relationship. And so when we think about creating, improving that experience and creating outcomes, we need to protect that relationship. We need to you know, make sure we understand it's, it's sacred. And if we're creating technology, make sure that that technology doesn't take away from the relationship, but it improves it. And you know, the vendors that we've worked with over time that have done that have you know, seen, seen the best outcomes. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Selling to health systems is very difficult. <laughs> they are a huge bureaucratic mm-hmm. machine. And we, as I mentioned, we're in 450 health systems. We didn't have to sell to them. And I feel very grateful that we didn't have to because all of the vendors that we work with essentially did that for us and kind of brought us in on their backs. But we've seen a lot of groups kind of fail in that struggle because as much as health systems want to buy something, they are often burdened by by the bureaucracy. So if you can figure out how not to sell to them, or if you can figure out how to reduce your price, or you know, sell to providers instead, or sell directly to patients, sell to figure out how to make it as small as possible to get it in, and then expand from there, I think that's a much better way to go. Good one. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? I think being a student of the market is really important. And it might come obvious to me as, a, as an economics kind of major. And, um, mm-hmm. But having that outside in approach and you know, not getting in your bubble. It's very frequent that if there's a disagreement or, you know, around our strategy or around a process or around, you know, some, something we want to do with that within Redox, that we pause the conversation, we get up, we leave the room, we talk to customers. And having that outside-in approach, I think, is super important to staying on top of what the market is, is telling you because the market will tell you what, what they need. And if you're in tune with that, you're not going to become irrelevant. Love it, man. Great, great, great advice. And what's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? Yeah, we have the saying that, uh, that we are all patients. And I think that that can hit home for, for anyone because you know, even if you haven't been a patient recently, probably interacted with loved ones who have. And anytime a patient goes through the healthcare system, they see opportunities to make it better, right? You see places where patients were left in the dark or uh, processes were wildly inefficient or bills were insanely expensive. And so these are all things that I think can, can hit home for people. And at Redox, you know, we're, we're a couple steps removed from actual patient care, right? We're mm-hmm. at this infrastructure level, and then there's application layer on top of that, and the users are finally on top of that. But remembering that at the end of the day, I'm gonna go to the doctor, and it's gonna be the technology that they use and the information that's brought to their fingertips that's gonna, could be life or death in a lot of situations. And there's infrastructure that powers that. So that's something that I think we, we hold, you know, we hold really dear. We are definitely all patients. And on the fifth one here, it, this is a two-part one, Nico. First, what is your number one health habit? And second, what is your number one success habit? Interesting. So my health habit, I would say, is having a mindfulness practice. I'm a cyclist by, well, I, I guess I, I did that in college. And, and so I still ride my bike a lot. And for me, riding my bike is, is very much a 
a mindfulness practice. I, I kind of get into a Zen state, either, you know, mountain biking or road biking. And when I can't ride my bike either because it's doing a lot of travel or the weather's bad, like it is right now, um, I, I replace that with, with having, you know, a mindfulness, uh, like a med meditation practice. So that's been wildly helpful in kind of staying close to what's important and being able to let things go. So yeah, that's from a health perspective. I think that's, that's huge. You hear a lot of, a lot of people talking about how it's been transformative in their life. Success practice. One of the things that I try to do every day is pick three things that, that need to get done that day. Mm -hmm. And then basically make those the three things that I try to do today. For instance, it, you know, one of the three was doing this podcast. Um, so, so literally these aren't like huge, important things. These are like, okay, there's a hundred different tasks I have to get through. Let's pick three that have to get done and mm -hmm. make sure that those happen. And then the rest, as long as I get those three done, I can count the day as successful. And then anything else I'm, uh, is, is really icing on the cake. And I think that kind of clarity helps to, make it so it doesn't, you don't feel as burdened or as uh, stressed a lot of times. Love it. Great shares. And hey, man, I'm honored that we made your top three. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Nico, <laughs> Occam's Rocket made it to his top three. Woohoo. <laughs> Nico, uh, this has been a, a blast. Listeners, anything that you heard on today's podcast is available in a transcript. We've got the show notes some good summaries just go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar type in nico n-i-k-o or type in redox that's r-e-d-o-x you'll be able to find links to the company everything that we've discussed here today what book would you recommend to the listeners nico one of my favorite books to recommend is the art of learning by josh waitskin hmm. where he talks about how you can, can really continuously you know, be a continuous learner in life um, and the, the tactics to kind of get in that, that flow state where learning really opens up. It's wildly useful. Awesome. Love it. So we'll be adding that to the list here. Nico, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow your work. Yeah. So we talked about a lot today. You know, a lot of it's kind of complex and in the, the, inner trenches of healthcare. But, but I think going back to that, what I was saying about us being all patients, as a patient, you might not have the ability to single-handedly disrupt healthcare, but we're all consumers of it. And we can shop and we can demand our data from our providers. And we can use our feet and our money to demand more from our payers and employers and providers in our healthcare systems. So um, we have a lot of power as consumers. And even though the market is broken in many ways, we can still make a difference as, as a consumer, as a patient. So yeah, Reach out to me. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nico underscore SKI ski. And my email address is Nico at RedoxEngine.com. And always happy to, to reach out and have more conversations. Outstanding. So folks, take Nico up on connecting. Definitely uh, an individual and company that you guys should keep up with. So be sure to follow them on Twitter and reach out if you've got any needs. So Nico, appreciate you making time and looking forward to staying in touch, my man. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.